This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Rich started us off last week talking about Adam. And our whole idea for this series, our whole sort of um, train of thought, is this idea that everything in God's Word, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament points to Jesus. And so when I was coming up, when I was growing up, I always thought that the Old Testament and the New Testament were two separate things altogether. Like, I thought they were completely separate from one another. And some of you guys are like, well, weren't you trained at your church? It's like, well, yeah, you know. I went to, like like I said, I, I've told you guys this before, I went to like a, a pretty hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, and so... Um, you know, church doctrine as a whole wasn't really focused on it. It was more denominational doctrine was really pushed. And we weren't encouraged to explore theology and understanding of God and all that. It was just like, here's what we teach you. Take it and regurgitate it, right? And so I never really thought about the Old Testament and the New Testament sort of working together. I always thought they were two separate things, like two different covenants, right, for two different people groups at two different times with two different purposes. And like the old is the old and the new is the new. And that's just, that's how they are. That's what they are. But then at some point in Bible college, I don't know if it was, I don't know, first year, second year, probably first year. That's when my whole like deconstruction process began. And I started like learning some things and going, whoa. And if that's true, then whoa. And if that's whoa, then whoa. And this thing started like snowballing. And by the end of this, I was just like, my mind was melted a little bit, you know. And so somewhere in there, I don't remember what class or what professor or whatever it was, but someone said that the Old Testament like dovetails into the New Testament and it's all connected and that it's all, everything points to Jesus. And when I heard this, I was like, man, that, that, that was, it was mind-blowing to me. Some of you are like, duh, I've known that the whole time. But for me, that wasn't necessarily the case. For me, it was like, no, these are two separate things. And so this whole series is sort of tracking through the Old Testament hitting some of the high points of the Old Testament and connecting them back to Jesus, to connect the dots for all of us. And so last week, Rich launched the series uh, talking about Adam and how Adam was like the origin of humanity and all these different things and how he connected it to Jesus is that Jesus is referenced oftentimes as the second Adam. It's like the rebirth of humanity through Christ, right, in our relationship with God and all of that. And so Rich talked all about that. Like I said, the podcast will be up this week for that. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the law and Moses and see how those things connect to Jesus and how even these things point ultimately to Jesus. And so it's going to be an interesting journey. So how many of you are, not, are any of you not familiar with Moses? How many of you have heard of Moses before? Let me see your hands. Okay. So, so many of you have heard of Moses. Moses is the guy from the Ten Commandments movie, right, that they show like every Good Friday on like ABC and NBC and all those things, right? Have any, any of you seen that movie, Charlton Heston, Stands Before Pharaoh, Let My People Go? Like all of the Bible characters were with British accents somehow, and they were all white somehow, which blows my mind because we're talking, it was first century Middle East. Anyway, um... Okay, so he, he's the guy from that movie. Or how many of you have seen uh, The Prince of Egypt, the DreamWorks uh, movie? Moses is from that. It's not Disney, so it wasn't awesome, but it was DreamWorks, so it was kind of okay, right? We saw that movie, yes. Only like three of you saw that. Where were you in like the early 2000s? That thing was like huge, 
won like awards and stuff. Okay, he's also the guy, um, his story is told in the Bible. How many of you have heard of him from the Bible? Like two of you, okay, awesome. So the movies was the way to, to reference this. Okay, got it. No, um, his story is told in the Bible. It's in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, your favorite books to read, right? Your go-tos for your Bible studies. Um, his story is told in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, Exodus is really cool. You know, it starts off with the story of Moses and his origin story and all that. And then uh, Deuteronomy is actually pretty cool, too, because it kind of talks about the end of his life and the setup for Joshua and all that. Uh, Leviticus and Numbers, those are a bit of a struggle. Um, they're a little, little harder to kind of to push through. But his story and the law and the Mosaic law and all that is outlined in those books. And so essentially what happened is that God recognized the Hebrew people as his people. Right? He says, this is my crew, these are my people, this is you know, who I'm going to have a relationship with, these are my chosen ones, whatever. And so he gave them some laws and guidelines for fellowship, some laws and guidelines for how to interact with God and how God can interact with them and how they can you know, uh, be, be, uh, search for, uh, strive for righteousness and to make that stuff happen in their lives. But the reality is, something that we need to realize at the baseline of this is that the laws and guidelines that are outlined in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, I think last service we discussed that they were, there's like 213, or 613 of them. There's 613 different laws and guidelines in the Mosaic uh, Law. Those guidelines were never feasible in the first place. We need to understand that. That it was impossible to attain these in the first place. Right, 613 laws and guidelines and rules and regulations that you had to abide by, that you had to honor, that you had to obey at all times, all the time, in everything that you did. It was literally impossible for that to happen. 613 things. And there were like all kinds of different ways to, to go about it. But the idea here is that the Mosaic Law, the, the law that was given to Moses, that Moses gave to God's people, is almost like a step in the process of getting us to Jesus. It was almost like an introductory step in getting us to Jesus. Because what this does, it forwards the idea that we cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn righteousness. We can't attain righteousness on our own. Nobody can do all of the things that are outlined in this law for us to do. And so God gives his people this, and so you say, well, why, why? Why did God give them something that they can't attain? Why did God lay out a law like this that's like a snooze fest through Leviticus and all this stuff? Why did God do this? What was the purpose? How did this all kind of come together? Well, it, it, it comes out in this idea of progressive revelation, which is like a theological term, um, which essentially means this. God reveals himself over time. God didn't come out of the gate in Genesis and Exodus and say, boom, here's all my cards. Here's who I am. Soak it in. Take it in. You're going to love it. Right? God didn't come out with the fullness of his glory and the fullness of who he is from the get-go. You know why? Because humanity could not handle it. Humanity could not handle it when, 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 when the law of Moses, when the Mosaic law came into place. Humanity wasn't ready for Jesus to come on the scene. The human race, the culture as a whole was not ready for that just yet. It would be like it would be it would be like taking like the best filet mignon that's just seasoned perfectly and cooked and the juices are kind of just setting right there on the top and you get some butter sauce and put it on there and it's just kind of simmering in the pan and you're like yes lord this is going to be a religious experience. 
I sense the Holy Spirit hovering over that piece of meat, right? For vegetarians, it's like a piece of broccoli or something. And you're just sitting there and you're looking at it like this glorious broccoli. And then you take that and you give it to a newborn. The newborn would be like, and not, no way. It just wouldn't make sense. It couldn't digest it. It couldn't handle it. It couldn't take it in. It couldn't eat it. It would just be a total, like, what, what, why, why would you, what, right? It would make no sense to do something like that. Well, it's the same kind of thing. When the Old Testament law came to the Hebrews, it met them where they were. The Mosaic law met them where they were. It was in the same form and the same sort of writing style and the, the codes and everything were the same and very similar to like the code of Hammurabi or the code of Ur-Namu, which were normal codes of law and ways to go govern people in the ancient Near East back then, okay? And so when the Mosaic law came out, obviously it was different. It was actually a lot more grace-filled than the other ones, which we look at it now and go, whoa, legalism, terrible, R R. But it was way better than the ones that were around at the time. But it was in that same sort of mold. It was in a way that, the, that humanity could receive that. And so it gave them laws and rules. It gave them civil laws. It gave them ceremonial laws. It gave them moral laws and codes and all these different things. And so if you've never looked through it and read it, I would encourage you to do so. It, again, start in Genesis, so you kind of have some backstory. Exodus talks through the story of Moses, and then Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all these different things that you look at it and you go, whoa, that's crazy, that's wild. There's no way that that could be whatever, this, that, and the other. And so it's like, but when you read it, go at it with this idea that this is God meeting the people where they were in the time they were in, in the space they were in, in the culture they were in, and their understanding of what the world meant at that time. It's considered the Torah, the law books, okay? And so it's very, very interesting. I would encourage you to read it, but here's the deal. That was the governing sort of rule, that was the law for, for a very long time, and then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, all previous revelations of God, because that, that's what the law is, it's a picture, a snapshot into the heart of God. It's a snapshot into who God is and how we can relate with God. And so when Jesus shows up, all previous revelations of God are surpassed and come to completion. Jesus is a full, full representation of God to humanity. And so when Jesus shows up, it changes everything. I've been reading this book, uh, Repenting of Religion, by Gregory Boyd, uh, for about four years now. <laughs> and I'm this far, so far, in four years, because I read like a chapter, and then I chew on it for like three months, and then I read a chapter, and I'm like, ooh, that doesn't sit right with me. So I chew on it for a few months, and then I read another chapter, I'm like, wow, that just breaks my heart. So I sit on it for a few. So uh, uh, here's where I'm at. I'm on page 131 out of like 250 in the last four years. And, uh, but there's a quote in here that talks about this sort of revelation and, and this idea of Jesus coming, and it says this. It says, all previous revelations are surpassed by and find their completion in Jesus Christ. He alone is the reflection and exact imprint of God's very being. It is not as though Christ reveals one aspect of God that stands on equal footing with previous revelations. He is the focal point of all revelation. He is the essence of the revelation given through Moses. He is the wisdom of God fully revealed. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in him. Whereas previous revelations of God in scripture, nature, and other religious traditions are partial, Christ is the full representation, full revelation of God. And while previous revelations are written in, in Christ, God is revealed in bodily form. 
He is the living, concrete, embodied picture of God. And so when Jesus shows up, it's not like, oh, the law, the law of Moses is here, and then Jesus shows up, and he's here, and they're two separate things for two. No, 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 no. When Jesus shows up, boom, that's it. It's Jesus. All, thing, all other things are pointing to him. Everything before him, everything after him that's revealed in Scripture is Jesus at the center. It's all about Jesus. And so Jesus shows up as the full representation of God humanity, and Jesus rewrites the story. Jesus changes the narrative. Jesus changes everything about the way we exist. Everyone had been under this idea of the Mosaic Law, and this is how you get down, and this is how you're cool with God, and this is how you should live your life, and this is how you should run your family, and this is how you should interact with others. Jesus shows up, and he changes everything. And how many of you guys have, have kind of trekked through the story of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible? Have, have any of you ever done that before? If you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. In your Bible, there's the Old Testament, the New Testament. The very beginning of the New Testament, there's these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus from four different perspectives, and four, they're, they're, they're written for four different audiences. And so there's different things highlighted, but they all tell the story of Jesus. And as you're studying the story of Jesus, you'll find that when he shows up, there are a bunch of religious leaders called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How many of you have heard of them? Maybe in kids, in kids' church, when they sing about Sadducees, they're so sad, you see. Yeah? No? You guys never sang that part? No? I don't know. I don't want to be a sheep, bop, bop, bop. I don't want to be a sheep, bop, bop, bop. No? Yes? How many of you have heard that song before and just confirmed that I'm not crazy? Okay, perfect. Um, so when Jesus shows up, there's these religious leaders, right, who have taken the Mosaic Law, they've twisted it and manipulated it, to puff themselves up and to make themselves better than other people and to oppress and guilt and shame others, right? That was never the intention of the Mosaic Law. In and of itself, that is not the Mosaic Law. But what the religious leaders of the time had done is taken that and twisted it and manipulated it to their advantage to create some box that they fit into and then everyone else who doesn't fit into the same box as them is pushed out and not accepted and not allowed to come in. And I'm not talking about the current American church. Did you catch that? I was talking about, but it sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Sounds pretty similar that so many people, I feel like in our American culture of church, have done the same thing with Jesus. We've taken the law and the teachings and the, 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 the voice and the story and the heart of Jesus, and we've used it to puff ourselves up to be great and wonderful and holy, and better than, and it's us who follow Jesus, and it's them who do not, and we create this us first them mentality, we puff ourselves up, and we use it to make ourselves feel great, but then we also use it to guilt and shame others, and push others out, and we construct these boxes, these Jesus boxes, that if you think the same way about Jesus as I do, and you vote the same way, and you think the same way, and you pray the same way, and you dress the same way, and you look like me, then you fit in the Jesus box, but if you don't, if you oppose me in any of those areas, you don't belong. You're not welcome. You don't get to come in and play with me and my friends. How many of us have done the same thing with Jesus that the Pharisees and Sadducees did with the Mosaic Law? Right? So Jesus shows up, and he changes everything. 
He shows up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and he says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. He's like, I didn't come here to say that stuff, you know, is no good, it's done for, it's whatever. He says, I didn't come here to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, to take it to the next level, to give you a deeper understanding, a broader revelation of who God is and what the heart of God is. Is. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it says this. It says, For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. Basically, here's how it goes down. God gives the Hebrews the Mosaic law through Moses. The law is a bunch of rules and regulations and guidelines that are impossible for us to keep. Right? It's just impossible for us to do. The message of that, the whole idea, the big idea is, hey, guys, you can't do this on your own. You can't earn righteousness. You can't attain salvation on your own. You can't do this on your own. And then Jesus shows up, and Jesus comes speaking a new language. Jesus comes and says, here is this thing called love. Love is everything. I am love. My Father is love. It's everything. Love is what I want for you, and love is what I want from you. It's all about this. And so he changes the language, and he says all this, but you know what else he talks about? He talks about repentance. He talks about grace. He talks about unmerited favor. He talks about, you know what the main message of what Jesus is saying as well? You can't do this on your own. He's speaking a different language, Saying a different thing, but the message of both are exactly the same. The law is saying, you can't do this on your own. Jesus shows up saying, you can't do this on your own. Ultimately, the law, the message of Jesus, the whole thing is God's cry to humanity saying, listen, he's saying, I want you to abide in me. I want you to rest in me. I want you to lean in to me. I want you to have relationship with me. I want you to find your calling. I want you to find your direction. I want you to find your inspiration. I want you to find your application. I want you to find everything in your life in and through me. That is the common cord between Moses and Jesus. Moses is meeting the people where they were, giving them the message of God that you need to abide in God. That you need to rest in God because you cannot do it on your own. Here's 613 things. You want to try it? Go for it. See how well that does. And then Jesus shows up and he says, hey, listen, that's not really working out for you guys, is it? Okay, here's the full picture. Here's where we're at. Here's where we need to go. It's all about love. It's all about this. But you can't do it unless you come. No, no man comes to the Father except through me. You still cannot do it on your own. That's the connection between the law and grace. That's the connection between Moses and Jesus. I did a wedding yesterday, and it was in a greenhouse, and it was beautiful, and they had their own personal vows, and it was wonderful. And the, the whole like sermon part of the message was out of uh, John chapter 15, where it does the, the, uh, the, paints the picture of the vine and the branches. Right? And how the vine is the source for the branches, and the branches can only bear fruit if they're connected to the vine. But I feel like that's so huge and applicable to what we're talking about this morning as well. We're talking through Moses to Jesus, the law to grace, and all this. It says this on chapter 15, verse 4. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. The ESV says, Abide. I love the word abide there. He says, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The ultimate call for God to us is him saying, guys, you can't do this on your own. You need me. And I want to be in relationship with you. What did that relationship look like to the Hebrews back in the days of Moses? It looked like the law being the way that he could communicate that to them. What did it look like in first century when Jesus is, is in the Middle East and doing all this stuff? It looked like Jesus coming and saying, hey, love is the way to do this thing. What does it look like for me and you? Everything points back to Jesus. And so some of you in here this morning, you're still kind of tripped up on this idea of progressive revelation and you're kind of Googling it on your phone and trying to get more information. Like, oh, what's he talking about? And if that's you this morning, it's, it might be kind of a lot to handle might be a lot for you to try and wrap your head around that, wait a second, you mean that God revealed himself partially here and partially there and partially in this part of the New Testament and partially here, there, and he didn't just all come out with it? And if that's you this morning, we want to be intentional and give you some room to process that, some space to potentially process that this morning. Some of you in here, you're still living with a mentality like the law is calling the shots. Not literally, you don't think that, you know, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers and those things are calling the shots for you. You've probably never even read them, so whatever. But you have that same mentality that you're trying to earn your way to God. You're trying to earn your relationship with God. You're trying to earn your salvation. You're, trying, you're chasing something that you can never attain. It's impossible. And so you're living with this law mentality that you're, you know, oh, well, I got to be at church because if I'm not at church, then Jesus won't love me. Well, I got to go to Granny's house on Sunday afternoons because if I don't go to Granny's house on Sunday afternoons, Jesus won't love me. Well, I got to read my Bible because Jesus won't love me. I got to do, listen, these, these, go to Granny's house, read your Bible, that's great. But you can never, ever earn the love of God. It's given freely to you. And so many of us are just spinning our wheels and trying so, so, so hard to earn your position in relationship with God. And it's unattainable. That was never the intention. That was never the intention. The intention has always been, abide in me and I will abide in you like a branch connected to the vine. Stay connected. Some of us in here today, you may just need to take a step back. You may need to take a step back and survey, am I one of those people that have taken the message of Jesus and done to it what the Pharisees and Sadducees did to the Mosaic Law? Am I one of those people that have taken the message of Jesus and said, okay, well, if you don't believe everything that I believe, this message is not for you. If you don't think everything that I think, this message is not for you. If you don't vote the way that I vote, this message is not for you. If you don't live the way that I live, this message is not for you. Have we done that to the message of Jesus just like the Pharisees and Sadducees have done to the Mosaic Law? I don't think the Pharisees and Sadducees, I don't think the religious leaders of the time of the Mosaic Law did it on purpose. I don't think they woke up and said, hey, this is going to be awesome. We're going to take this message from God and we're going to make ourselves awesome and we're going to crap on everybody else. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. This is Just sit back, hold my beer, let's do this, right? I don't think that was necessarily their take. But yet, it was the reality of the situation. I don't think anybody in here is necessarily saying, let me take this message of Jesus and just crap on everybody who doesn't think like I think. But I think that's the reality of our American culture and our evangelical culture here in America. 
think that's the reality of the situation. So maybe some of us need to step back and say, okay, hang on. Is that me? Is that what's become of my heart? Is that what's become of my relationship with God? And so we want to give you guys some time to process that. But for some of you, I think also, you're in here and you just maybe need to evaluate, are you connected to the vine? Like, is your relationship with God a caveat of your life? Or is it the source of your life? Is it a caveat of your decision-making? Or is it the source of your decision-making? Is it a caveat of your family? Or is it the source of your family? Is it a caveat of your work experience? Or is it the source of your work experience? Because there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. If you were to cut God out of the equation of your life, would your life fall apart? Or would you keep on going in cruise control? It just means I don't have to get up early on Sundays. Some of us may need to readjust, reprioritize, refocus, and say, man, the whole idea of all of this is that I need to be abiding in Christ. I need to be trusting in Christ. I need to remain in Christ. And if we're not, we need to shift some things. We need to alter some things because that's the big idea. But wherever you are in the process, we want to be intentional about giving some time before we leave this space for you to do business with God. So let's pray together. God, Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.